1: As President Biden heads to Japan, talks of stopping China's economic coercion tops the minds of G7
0: leaders. But what we can do is offer a better alternative, a less corrupt version of the foreign aid that they're getting from China.
1: New York Mayor Eric Adams halts public hearings over where to house illegal immigrants.
2: Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are quite literally the last mile of the human trafficking network.
1: Montana is the first state to ban the Chinese-owned social media app TikTok.
3: It leaves itself open to a number of different challenges.
1: This is Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, May 18th. I'm Tasha Stevens. President Biden is heading to Japan for the G7 summit and member countries all agree on the threat of what they call China's economic coercion and hope to come up with ideas in order to counter it. However, coming up with a consensus on how to tackle the threat from Beijing will prove to be a difficult task, as the member countries have different ideas on how to manage their ties with China due to it being the world's second largest economy.
0: The problem at the moment is it's not, it's not just Ukraine, it's also China. Japan is very, very keen to uh, get everyone on side with its um, uh, thoughts on how to stop China's economic coercion, uh, what they call economic coercion, get all of the G7 countries to come together and really kind of... Um, face up against that threat together. Japan is also keen to get all of these developing countries that China is so good at making friends with uh, to come to the G7 as well. Countries like Brazil, countries like Vietnam uh, to come to the table. But c- can they actually succeed? I mean, there's so many rifts within the G7 at the moment that it does seem difficult um, to really kind of do anything uh, world-changing at one of these things. But it is important to have these regular summits so that the world leaders do see each other and do keep communicating.
1: Um, you know- The leaders of the G7, which include Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom and the United States, all have signaled that the punitive measures that China employs on trade will be high on the agenda. Asia-Pacific and European countries have shown growing concern over China's coercive trade tactics. For example, countries like Japan, South Korea and Australia have all faced trade restrictions due to having disputes with Beijing over a broad range of issues, which include the origins of COVID-19. Still, it is unclear how far Japan and European members may be willing to go with measures that could antagonize Beijing, given their heavy reliance on Chinese trade. Robert C. O'Brien is a former national security advisor, and he joins the Salem Radio Network and lays out a couple of things we here in the U.S. can do now to curb Chinese influence at home.
0: We've got to stop the Chinese from buying agricultural land around our military bases. We've got to shut down the Confucius Institutes at all our colleges and universities where they're spying on Chinese expats and stealing research from our universities. There shouldn't be one Confucius Institute or some fake new-name Confucius Institute at any college in America. And if the college wants a Confucian Institute, they want Chinese money, we got to cut them off from federal money. So those are just a couple of examples here of things that are totally within our control and that we can do right now to, to protect against the communist Chinese.
1: Much of China's leverage on the world stage is gained through financing developing countries, which are then beholden to the CCP. O'Brien argues that the U.S. can counter China by showing those countries a transparent and fair way to build their infrastructure.
0: You know, we don't have to outbid them, but what we can do is offer a better alternative, a less corrupt version of the foreign aid that they're getting from China, a version where the half the foreign aid doesn't go to dictators' bank accounts in Switzerland, and the other half goes to Chinese companies that bring Chinese workers in. So that's why every time I take a foreign trip to one of these developing countries, I always took Kim Reed from OPIC or or Adam Baller from DFC with me to show that the U.S. could finance projects, but we could do it in a a transparent way and and a way that benefited the people of that country, whether it's Kenya or Namibia or Brazil, and that they could have trusted 5G, they could have trusted uh, factories, trusted port systems, and not be hostage to the Chinese.
1: Looking ahead, O'Brien says that the fight for dominance in the field of technology is crucial if the U.S. wants to stay ahead of China.
0: Look, people are worried. The, the biggest thing they're worried about is scale. Uh, the, the Chinese are so big and they're, they're so committed to uh, winning in AI and quantum and robotics that if they get ahead of us, and especially with things like quantum and AI, we could have a very dystopian future. They'll control the world. And, and a Chinese world is not a pleasant world. It's a world where Uyghurs go to concentration camps where Democrats in Hong Kong are, are, you know, put out of business and put in jail. Uh, it's a world where India and, and Taiwan and ASEAN countries in the South China Sea are threatened with military action if they don't kowtow and, and know the Chinese line. Very different world than the world we're living in today. And, and everyone knows that the French know it, the Germans know it. Uh, of course, all the ASEAN nations know
1: it. When it comes to a potential war with Beijing, O'Brien says that the best way to avoid it is peace through strength.
0: There's a lot of interest in the Quad, the diplomatic arrangement between in Australia, uh, India, the U.S. and Japan, and other countries want in. I mean, I, I kind of call it the cool kids at the lunch table uh, uh, syndrome, That now, you know, the ROK and Taiwan and, and other countries want to get in on the Quad. The French have sent a lot of resources out to the South Pacific, to their islands. So I think that, like, there, there's an, an understanding that China is going to be very aggressive. And the best way to avoid a war with China, which everyone's worried about, is through deterrence. It's through peace, through strength. It's not through appeasement. I think the old days of appeasing China, people realized that just created a a more aggressive and a more assertive China. It's now time for the free world to deter China.
1: Meanwhile, back in the U.S., Democratic Senator Bob Menendez called for the formation of a sort of economic NATO to respond to China's economic coercion. China itself has rejected accusations that it uses trade as a weapon and accused the U.S. of hypocrisy given its own use of sanctions and export controls. A Moscow court has ordered the arrest of prominent film producer Alexander Rodniansky and theater director Ivan Byropirov for spreading false information about the Russian army. Daybreak Insider's Charles de has more on this story out of Moscow.
2: The initial court hearings against Rod and Vyraipaev were held on April 27, but not reported by the court until this week. According to the court's press service, the two men who are outside Russia will be placed in custody once Russian authorities manage to detain them or get them extradited. Keith Bourne Rodnayansky left Russia after the start of the country's full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February 2022 and has repeatedly spoken openly against the war. In October 2022, Russia's Justice Ministry declared Rodniansky a foreign agent. I'm Charles de
1: In the wake of the end of Title 42, New York City Mayor Eric Adams issued an executive order which would eliminate any blocks to temporary housing for illegal immigrants as the Big Apple braces for a surge. Adams recently called out the Biden administration for being absent on the border crisis.
3: This should not be happening to New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, and the other big northern cities. And really, it should not be happening to El Paso or Brownsville, Texas. It's right. a national problem, and it needs a national solution.
1: The executive order initiates a state of emergency that would suspend laws and rules related to city planning, which includes construction and operations of facilities like shelters or their expansion without public hearing. However, the move would also allow the city to move illegal immigrants into areas where residents may not want them and may sue the city if officials do not allow for public hearings to take place, which would allow residents to voice their opinions. With the city's current emergency shelter and hotel systems at capacity, Adams is moving to open shelter facilities in gyms of public schools across the city, sparking outrage from parents. Republican Senator Ted Cruz of Texas joins the Salem Radio Network and says that New York is only now getting a taste of the crisis that border states like Texas are feeling every day.
2: What's happening at the border is horrific. Uh, It is the worst it has ever been in the history of our nation. Uh, And it's getting worse. It's getting considerably worse. Uh, In two and a half years since Joe Biden has been president, we've seen over six and a half million people cross illegally into this country. It's the worst illegal immigration ever recorded in our nation's history. I was down on the border last Thursday night. Thursday night at midnight, Title 42 expired. Title 42 was the last legal authority the Biden administration was using to deport people who come here illegally. So where we are now is is that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's open border policies have gotten worse. Their position is essentially anyone who comes illegally. They're going to allow to stay, and that has created an invasion at our southern border that is resulting in enormous death, enormous suffering, enormous crime, enormous disease. It is a humanitarian disaster, and it's the result of political decisions from this White House.
1: Cruz explains how he believes the immigration system is broken. The
2: state of Texas is going to face real challenges stopping this invasion because it is the federal government that constitutionally has historically had the authority to to deport people and and so what happens typically is when a state official apprehends someone crossing illegally typically they hand them over to the feds and the feds if they were following the law would deport them what is making the system break down is joe biden is the first president in our nation's history who's just utterly refused to follow the law and when someone who's here illegally is handed over to joe biden He ignores the law. He doesn't deport them. And instead, he puts them on a bus or he puts them on a plane and he sends them to every city in America.
1: The Texas senator says that, in his opinion, the Biden administration is incentivizing all the illegal immigrant crossings.
2: Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are quite literally the last mile of the human trafficking network. Not only that, he gives them an alien identification number, a so-called A number, which makes those individuals eligible for government welfare. So he's in the business of handing government welfare to millions of people coming illegally to this country. The taxpayers are paying for it.
1: Cruz believes that the reason the White House has been MIA on the southern border is a political one.
2: Across the entire length of the border, there are over 170,000 illegal immigrants preparing to cross right now. And this is not an unintended side effect. Of the Biden policies that are put in place. This is the intended effect. They want this invasion and they want 6 million to become 10 million, to become 12 million, to become 20 million. That is their political objective.
1: When it comes to what could be done today to stem the flow of illegal immigration, Cruz lays out a few ideas.
2: Joe Biden could solve this problem within a week. We know how to solve it under Donald Trump, we had the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. The way to solve this with Joe Biden could do today is number one, immediately resume building the border wall. Number two, immediately end catch and release a disastrous policy that's caused this crisis. And number three, reinstate the incredibly successful remain in Mexico agreement. If Biden did that, this problem would be very significantly solved.
1: Adams says he expects a potential 15 more busloads of illegal immigrants arriving in New York City this weekend, following some 4,200 who arrived last week. The executive order will last five days, unless Adams chooses to extend it. Florida's governor signs bills targeting drag shows, pronouns, bathroom use, and irreversible surgeries performed on children. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer has more on the story from the Sunshine State. Florida is banning gender-affirming care for minors with new restrictions on adults seeking treatment. It's amongst a series of anti-LGBTQ bills signed by Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. The bills restrict pronoun use in schools and require people to use the bathroom corresponding with their sex at birth. DeSantis has made anti-LGBTQ plus legislation a large part of his agenda as he builds towards a presidential campaign. The gender-affirming care ban and the law targeting drag shows goes into effect immediately. The bathroom restrictions and the law concerning pronouns take effect July 1st. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Governor Greg Gianforte of Montana signs a bill making his state the first in the nation to restrict those living in Big Sky Country from downloading the social media app TikTok.
3: Montana's governor just signed the country's first law completely banning TikTok. It goes further than any other state's moves to ban that social media app. The ban is expected to face some legal challenges, potentially determining the fate of the app in the country. Now, In a statement, TikTok says the governor signed a bill that is, quote, infringing on First Amendment rights by unlawfully banning TikTok. It goes on to say people in Montana can continue to use the app to express themselves.
1: The legislation makes it illegal for app stores to give users the option to download TikTok and illegal for the company to operate within the state. Violations could carry a $10,000 penalty. Enforcement will be handled by the Montana Justice Department. Gianforte released a statement explaining his decision, saying, quote, The Chinese Communist Party's using of TikTok to spy on Americans, violate their privacy, and collect their personal, private, and sensitive information is well documented. Meanwhile, a spokesperson for TikTok calls the legislation unlawful and promises that the company will challenge it in court. Legal analyst Danny Savaslos says that Montana's targeting of TikTok itself instead of users is a good strategy, but it will still be met with legal challenges. Well, apparently
3: it doesn't criminalize actual users' conduct. It criminalizes the sale, So it targets... The app sellers, that might be the app store or that might be TikTok itself. And that would make sense from Montana's perspective. Far better to go after a deep pocket like TikTok than go after individual users who are probably 18, 19 years old. Uh, and who knows if they have any assets or whether they're worth prosecuting. So, probably a smart strategy if that's what the ban does, but it leaves itself open to a number of different challenges.
1: Savaslos explains what law he believes TikTok's lawyers will use in defense of the social media app.
3: Most notably, the First Amendment and something called the Dormant Commerce Clause. Basically, an individual state can't unnecessarily or unduly burden interstate commerce. But what exactly that means is a little hazy, and it's moved a lot over the years. Uh, Even in the last decade or so, it's been redefined. And then perhaps most importantly is that Traditionally, the Commerce Clause dealt dealt with things like widgets, tangible items that are sold in a particular state. It's a totally different thing with this modern use of the internet and apps like this, because where is it sold? Where is it used? Where is the application? uh, Where is the jurisdiction for this application? A lot of complicated issues. So you can expect there will be challenges and soon.
1: According to Savaslo's, there's one issue in particular that makes banning apps like TikTok so difficult. (laughs)
3: <laughs> when we live in a global community like this, uh, the Internet uh, it, it asks a difficult question. Where is some kind of conduct actually happening? If you're looking at your phone, but you downloaded it in Montana, but you're looking yeah. at it, say, in California, is the conduct happening or did it happen in Montana? So those are all thorny issues that we all have to deal with in the modern Internet age. Uh, And this law that seeks to criminalize this kind of conduct or punish it is going to be subjected to a number of different challenges, one of which is going to be jurisdictional. And and where does the conduct actually happen?
1: While Montana is the first state to issue an outright ban on downloads and use of the app, there have been limited bans on a federal level and even in some states for government-owned devices. President Biden signed a ban last year that prohibits the federal government's nearly 4 million employees from using TikTok on devices owned by its agencies. Target reports another quarterly profit decline. More on this from Daybreak Insider's Jennifer King. It's not too often you hear about shoplifting as a serious issue for corporate earnings, but it's there alongside rising costs as one reason major retailer Target has posted a decline in profits for the fifth consecutive quarter. The Minneapolis-based company's sales rose 0.6 percent to $25.32 billion in the first quarter ending April 29th, but Q1 net income slipped to $950 million, nearly 6 percent. Target reports that customer traffic was up, with shoppers focused on buying necessities like groceries, but they're still snapping up affordable clothing. The company says theft is hurting its profitability and predicted it will lose over a billion dollars to thieves this year. I'm Jennifer King. There's a trademark tiff over Taco Tuesday. Daybreak Insider's Ed Donahue has more on this tasty story.
3: Taco Bell says it wants to liberate Taco Tuesday for all. It is asking the Patent and Trademark Office to force Wyoming-based Taco John's to abandon its long-standing claim to the trademark Taco Tuesday. Taco Bell says to deprive anyone of saying Taco Tuesday is like depriving the world of sunshine itself. Taco John's has about 370 locations in 23 mainly Midwestern and Western states. It has strongly enforced taco tuesday as its trademark sending a letter to a brewery warning it to stop using taco tuesday to promote a taco truck parked outside on tuesdays i'm ed Donahue.
1: and finally the iconic oscar meyer wienermobile is getting a new name the company known best for its lunch meet released a statement saying that the hot dog on wheels will now be known as the Frankmobile. This will be the first time the wheeled wiener will have a name change since it was unveiled in 1936. For the first time in its nearly century-long existence, the famous hot dog-shaped vehicle is changing its name. Oscar Meyer says the new Frankmobile
3: name pays homage to the new recipe for its hot dogs rolling out this summer. Despite the change, the Frankmobile looks largely the same compared to its predecessor, other than, you know, the decal on the vehicle's side now displaying the Frankmobile name. So uh, this name change may not be permanent, so which one do you prefer, Wienermobile or the new Frankmobile? But the vast majority of people saying, leave well enough alone. Right. Keep the original. You know. They want to see the Wienermobile stay as such. Tradition is a good thing. Why would you rename something that's already well known in pop culture? Right? It sounds like the uh, vehicles needed a new wrap mm-hmm. <laughs> job. Ja. Okay. You know what I mean? And they're just going to... They did get some free
1: publicity out of this. They sure did. The drivers of the vehicle, who are called hot doggers, also serve as brand ambassadors, and they, too, will now be called frankfurters. Well-known brands changing their names may get people talking for a time, but ultimately have mixed results. Back in 2018, IHOP briefly changed to IHOB to promote the debut of new burgers on the menu, which indeed got the internet talking. However, the talk surrounding the change was mostly negative. Earlier this year, m and temporarily switched to Ma and Yaws as part of a Super Bowl ad campaign involving the retirement of the Spokes candies. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Tasha Stevens.